Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Yesterday, Premier Ford's government announced the upcoming closure of all non-essential businesses in an effort to combat the spread of COVID-19. The order is set to come into effect today, March 24th at 11.59 p.m. and will remain in place for at least two weeks. The LCBO, the beer store and licensed cannabis retailers all will remain open. The provincial government classifies booze, beer, and pot as essential products and services. But what about vaping products? While access, while access to deadly cigarettes remain ubiquitous during COVID-19, as convenience stores, gas stations, and grocery will all remain open, what is going to happen to vape shop retailers? We have joining us today for breaking coverage on this vaping as an essential service is Maria P. from Vapor Advocates of Ontario. She always has to say her last name because I'm at a loss. Maria, thank you so much for coming back on RegWatch. Hey, Brent. Thank you so much. It's Maria Papayawanu Duick, but I'm like really cool to be called Maria P. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you bet. Um, so now first, before we get into the outreach that the Vapor Advocates of Ontario have done with regards to trying to get support and messages to the provincial government, asking for vaping to be classified as an essential service and there's been some controversy around that could you please give us an update on what you know where we're at when it comes to the government's decision here with vaping at 11:59 p.m today um vape stores are are vape stores are considered non-essential um businesses however we if you have a website an e-commerce site you are still allowed to participate as uh, be a business. You just can't have people walk into your store. The COVID-19 issue is bigger than all of us. And the entire goal of this is to not get people to congregate. What also a lot of people don't know is shops across Ontario, and there's hundreds of us, and we talk. We have stopped, um, like for example, most shops have removed their seating. We stopped sampling weeks ago. We're doing our best right now. Um, we have gloves, masks, vape shop employees are not mandated to work. If they don't feel comfortable, they're allowed to not work. However, right now, um, you cannot walk into a vape shop and pick something up. Everything has to be online and it needs to be e-commerce based. So, one second here. We, I, we had we had just the strangest uh, thing happen to our gear just seconds before we came live. So there we go. Awesome. So why is vaping an essential service? Answer that for our audience. It's harm reduction. So if we're going to look at um, addiction and we look at it on the full scale, and that's the thing is that through Vapor Advocates of Ontario, and me personally, I believe addiction is addiction. There is no levels of addiction. You're addicted to a drug, you're addicted. So as a harm reduction tool, people need access to it. And personally, I also agree with access to alcohol and cannabis. Addiction is real. And if we start picking and choosing what addictions and what group of people are more important to choose for their addictions, that's not fair. And I'm not saying that we need to have vape meats inside of shops. Like, that's not happening. I'm not talking about sampling. I am talking about access for the very people who need it the most, the seniors. If there's one thing we learned 
from the teacher's strike is that not everybody in Ontario has internet access. People cannot order online. A lot of people don't have credit cards. We have, they have to go to the post office to pick up their shipment because legally we have to do a 19 plus shipment if we don't know the customer. And even if we do, we do. So it's not about making money. It is simply about access to the very people that need it, to the people that need it because you can still walk into a convenience store. And here's that thing, that same person who needs vaping liquid that is not going to be able to access it online will be able to actually go out and walk into the convenience store and buy a pack of cigarettes if need be. So we and Vapor Advocates of Ontario has always been about access and respecting the addiction of smoking. And if we don't fight to be considered an essential service, and I understand that there's so many, there's like a few people out there that don't agree and they're very, very loud. And I, I give value to your words. Like, I don't know if that'll mean something, but I understand I'm here looking at more than just one person. And I know that many shops, like for me and Dave, for example, we are going to close down one store and work together through at one location. People are downsizing. Shy from Dash Fate has created the most incredible contactless system anywhere. And he's sharing his best practices. We're not looking to make money and spread this virus. We're just trying to make sure people don't return to smoking. And at the end of the day, we were COVID free, yet all of a sudden someone's COPD has acted up and needs to go to the hospital to get oxygen because they went back to smoking. So if vaping uh, during this crisis is not considered essential, when would it ever be then? Exactly. And if we don't value addiction and give every single addiction, and I'm saying this to a lot of people out there when they talk about safe injection sites and how those aren't important, any form of harm reduction is important and we are not in a position to pick and choose. Because if I want if I believe that my addiction needs to be valued and respected and no longer shamed by society, then I, sh I have no right to talk about someone's access to safe injection sites. Those are going, I just saw something about, you know, and, and I have empathy for them. I saw how drug prices for street drugs have gone up. So here's the thing. We need to empathize with every form of addiction and we need to treat all addictions equally and treat harm reduction access equally during a crisis. This is not about dollars. So now let's take a look at this though. And, and you know, from our position editorially at RegWatch, we've have issue with the fact that with the legalization of cannabis for recreational use, that takes cannabis right out of the medical marijuana issue. A, a huge portion of the cannabis purchases that will be happening during the course of the COVID lockdown in Ontario are gonna be made for recreational use. So it's not even a harm reduction issue or a medical marijuana issue. It's the province of Ontario saying, well, we think it's an essential service to keep our citizens stoned. Um, I think let's put ourselves in the shoes of the less fortunate. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the most vulnerable. The woman going through cancer treatment can't can't access online. She needs to go to their like 
you know what? I don't care if there's 50 people stoned, but if, if my friend who has cancer has access to cannabis, then we're doing the right thing. I totally it's, agree. I totally agree. I'm, you know, but I'm, what I'm trying to do is point out the obvious, you know, hypocrisy there because nicotine does, ser you know, serve a medical purpose in the sense that there's an addiction and, you know, that nicotine is needed. Plus, there's a lot of people who use nicotine. Any psychiatrist will tell you that, you know, there's effects of nicotine that help calm people uh, in times of trouble. I mean, the one thing, what do they do? They give out cigarettes to uh, soldiers in the war in all the wars. Why? Because they have a calming effect. Here, you know, nicotine does have its beneficial properties and the government is, no, we continue to use the ones that are gonna kill you, but you can't use, uh, get your nicotine through this safer device. And so- I think it was, I, I'm going to hope because Doug Ford, Premier Ford has always been a huge staunch supporter of Vapor Advocates of Ontario throughout the course of his leadership. I really think this was a, a missed opportunity by them. I think it was an oversight. I don't think that they purposely said, no, we're not going to put vapors there. I really believe no one said, what about vape shop? I truly believe that. And that's why sending out those emails was a reminder. And we're over 1,500 emails sent to the premier's office. I don't know how many hundreds of calls that we've made. And it's not about keeping our doors open. It's just about feeling safe and knowing that we're not breaking a law when we're helping someone with harm reduction. I agree with that. And I think, you know, there is a, a, a respect that um, the vaping industry, I believe, has every right to demand from government. The vaping industry has worked hard, hand in hand with government, uh, at every level, uh, the product is legal and um, why it would be left out like this seems to be a bit more of a, something that, well, it's either, it's either purposeful or just uh, a gross oversight. Or, food for thought here because like, I get blocked on Twitter by a lot of people, but then you have your other Twitter account. So you can look at what the people who blocked you on Twitter um, are saying. Um, the Ontario Convenience Store Association yesterday morning had a roundtable discussion with Doug Ford. They tweeted about it. They have been asking Doug Ford and getting um, a few MPPs to tell Doug Ford how bad vape shop owners are. So... I don't know if that meeting had something to do with it yesterday. And if you go on to the, if you're not blocked through your regular account, go through your fake, your other Twitter account. But the Ontario Convenience Store Association tweeted out their meeting with Rob Ford and convenience stores, I believe, are on the list of, and rightfully so. You know what? You can't get to a grocery store everywhere. There is a purpose for convenience stores. Please don't get me wrong. I respect and value. I have like the most incredible convenience store owner next door to me in Port Hope who, you know, says, oh, are you carrying Jewel? Because I won't carry it if you do. Are you carrying stealth? So like, I have a great relationship with my convenience store neighbors, but you know, the big guys, they don't like us. So I wouldn't be surprised if they threw a little bit of shade our way during that meeting, but there's a COVID team. And I know that Daryl Tempest from the CVA has been on the phone with them all the time and trying to get us listed under, um, I think it's 0.55 as 
for addiction. Because at the end of the day, we can't be having all this crazy stuff happening and people saying, oh, we're addicting kids, but then all of a sudden we're not addictive. Go down a little bit more. And you can see it. Oh, they took it down? It was yesterday. Well, I'm just slowly scrolling through here. Maybe it's off. There it is. This is it right here. Yeah. Uh, so it was a teleconference. Yeah, well, I mean. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Hey, man, I live in La La Land. If you ask me, I'd be shaking hands with everybody right now. I'm like, give it to me, please. Give it to me. Give it to me. Come on, give it to me. Anyway. Well, just like, when was it? The fourth, the fifth. We were in a meeting with the um, taxation, the um, tobacco tax department for Ontario. Va vape shop owners were included in that meeting, and we we're talking about taxation. I was like, right before everything shut down, uh, we were there. We were part of that conversation. So we do have a good relationship in Ontario with our government, and that is really based on the hard work of consumers and shop owners in this province where you know what we stand up and speak up we're not afraid oh i can't stand that man but anyway <laughs> um that loud. that's okay that's uh that's okay i i totally i totally can get the frustration now let's talk a little bit about what you guys did with vapor advocates of ontario so you've got uh the vaping is not smoking Vaping yeah. isn't smoking, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. It's a smoking site, and we've had that for years. Um, and what we do is we start campaigns and email campaigns. And this campaign was just simply to ask him to consider through science and do follow precedent from Italy, from France, from Spain, from Greece. Um, and listen, that they have allowed vape shops to be open and considered essential services. And we just want the same thing. And if you can see there, I don't know, I, I can't really see how many people have done that. We sent this email. A 1535. 1535. So we're almost at 24 hours, which isn't too bad. I had a lofty goal of 5,000. Who knows? Maybe after this, we'll get another 1,500. Um, and it was just a simple letter because at the end of the day, most, all your shop owners are consumers as well. Just to ask that we listed as an essential service. And as you can see, every single essential service is being, is trying to be responsible and there's no reason we can't be responsible. Um, and that's simply it. Just so right when you, when you sent this out then Maria, um, you had, um, Quite a bit of response. I saw that starting to come in yesterday uh, and some threads going. Yeah. One particular person, I mean, we don't need to say the name. I, I was thinking about playing a little bit of your video here, but I thought maybe we'd manage things a little bit. I might go to the end. You're pretty upset okay. <laughs> this morning. I, I think I was. I think there's two reasons I was upset. Um, and again, I needed to put it in a better perspective. So first of all, I want to apologize to every single person that felt that what we did through VAO was for selfish reasons. And I apologize only because I was not able to communicate that better to you. We sent out, we have a mailing list of an email list of over 11,000 people through Vapor Advocates of Ontario. And we sent out a mass email um, to everybody 
and we got about 15 responses of very like a profanity and I kind of get that like you know what you're hey you're using profanity against someone who uses profanity all the time and I've been accused of not being professional because I use the f word like whatever but um and I get that and I just wish I could have responded and said I am sorry and and this isn't about money this is about making sure that people still have access in the way that they can have access. People can't buy up $200 worth of e-liquid and coils to make sure they're okay. People don't have that kind of money. People need to, you know, do it through a budget. Um, people think we're trying to risk people's lives, and I get that. I mean, I got blocked by someone else today. But the other thing that really bothered me and I was so upset was that we are not understanding the other addictions. We don't need to minimize the LCPO opening so we can open. We don't need to minimize or trash talk cannabis being open so we can stay open. Alcoholism is one of, detoxing from alcohol is one of is one of the few drugs that someone can die from. So we don't need to take something else away or talk smack about something else for us to get uplifted. And I think that was my twofold. First of all, I'm sorry to every single person that was offended. That was not our intent. This was not about, you know, vape shop owners making money. If that was it, like you would think everybody would raise their prices. But no, it's about why we opened our businesses. And I know if you go to my website and you look under our mission statement and our values, you will see that we wanna live in a world that is free of tobacco related illnesses. And if I'm not true to my mission, I don't know, like I'm not doing this from a place of commerce. I'm doing this from a place of caring. And then if you go on my Facebook page, you'll see one of the frontline workers that supports um, our homeless population out here in Northumberland. She thanked us because she needs access to her vaping product so she can carry on and work with the under the disadvantaged in our community. Just give me your URL again to make sure I got it. MariaPapayawanu.com. Is that the website you wanted me to go to? I thought it was e-sig and before. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying you can see. I don't know where it is right now. We just, oh, okay. We just <laughs> I'm trying to find it. <laughs> That's okay. So, Maria, uh, okay. So, the pushback that you were getting are from vapors in Canada, yeah. people that are likely in the industry too as well, correct? Or close to yeah, it? absolutely. And the thing is, and we get like shop employees in Ontario. Doug Ford just said, you do not have to work if you don't feel comfortable. I don't know a single shop owner that would say, no, you have to work. We're all human beings. We are not, we are not, our goal is not to create more um, contact. Our goal is just to help people stay at home so they don't have to go to, you know, a gas station or a convenience store and buy those cigarettes. And what do you think that the people that are going to be smoking are going to be smoking inside of their houses? They're going to be going 20, 50 feet away. They're going to be outside doing more stuff at the end of the day. 
They don't want their kids to see them smoking. They still have that shame. So obviously, I mean, I can't imagine this not being the case, but I'm going to repeat this question. It's a statement in question. If okay. vaping is not an essential service during this emergency, then it isn't an essential service and it never will be. That's the real issue here, isn't it? That's true. And you know what? It's really like, let's just break it right back down. Let's just take it right back down to like the lowest, lowest point. Smokers are not valued. It does not matter. It's vaping. Like we go back. What was a vapor before a vapor? They were a smoker. How come they're no longer smokers? Because they're vaping. So who is that person? It's the smoker. Smokers are no are not valued. Smokers are not like, let's take it down. Like, and I don't care. You might not agree with me, but when I look at this whole thing, it goes back to the root of it. Addiction for smoking. It is still the only addiction in this world that we encourage children to shame us. We laugh when a kid goes up to a smoker and says, you stink. We laugh at that. We encourage our kids to tell our, their parents that smoking, you smell, just quit. We use that term, just quit, so freely when it comes to smoking. We use those terms of, it's a nasty habit. No, a nasty habit is insulting people like that. A nasty habit is, I don't know, picking your nose or picking your toes. Um, so at the end of the day, it's not about vaping being an essential service. It's about valuing a smoker and believing and giving them choice and giving them opportunity to no longer be a smoker. Because if we valued a smoker's life, we'd have a very different conversation today. Well, true. Yeah, I think the, the, the lack of this classification is just really actually uh, you know, a mirror of what is the deeper and wider issue, and that is a complete lack of regard for smoking as an addiction for the people that are smoking. I mean, that's ultimately why vapors have been so demonized. Now, what struck me, though, it, very interesting is the um, tone and tenor in which these people that are part of the vaping community, I would imagine for some time, uh, the, the tone of their language was hysterical, not just rude, but, but I, like, you know, arrogant and, and slightly threatening. And so I try very hard to put myself in their, their shoes and fear creates us to, to say things that we would never say. Loss of security create loss of security brings up emotions that we would never have had. So yeah, to the people who told me to fuck off, told me I am, I'm awful. I'm this, I'm that. I'm not holding that against them. Um, to the people that say that vape shop owners are, Oh my God, you should see some of the other stuff that other people got like really, but uh, I can't even repeat them on here. I think Mark Zuckerberg would actually get flagged <laughs> if I repeated half the stuff. I we have all, enough problems uh, with being censored <laughs> on Facebook. So, so you know, uh, say saying, the F word all you want. That seems to be fine for the left, right? They're okay with that. Yeah. Well, I'm not allowed to do that because that makes me not very serious. Anyway. So, I mean, so let's, let's, let's pull this up a little bit um, into um, some of the COVID stuff because I haven't had anybody on the show yet 
from Ontario uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on there because it's all this one big story, right? So whether it's, you know, these vapor, uh, vaping community people that, you know, have lost their mind um, and then they lose their mind on you when all you're trying to do is get vaping classified as an essential service, which is like a no brainer because that's exactly what the industry has been fighting for at every single step of the way up to this point. Why would the industry not be demanding that we be treated as an essential service? All of the public health officials that um, are... Um, open to the concept of vaping as a tool for harm reduction. We've had them on our show. We have them on our show all the time. And they say that, yeah, vaping should be an essential service, the ones that we've asked during COVID. And so for vapors who would maybe class them that, classify themselves as, you know, a, you know, active advocates to lose their mind, right, while they're losing their mind over other things, let me show you what downtown Vancouver looks like just minutes ago here let's just see how fast i can get this up so this is this is just this is just this is nuts so this is downtown vancouver tuesday at uh, 10 after 10 in the morning and this is the vancouver public library i mean there there's supposed to be people everywhere here uh and nobody Oops. Look at that. That is completely dead. This is, by the way, this is Robson Street. This is the Rodeo Drive of Canada. Look at that. Ooh, I saw that on the Real Housewives of Vancouver when I used to watch it. That's right. So that is, the only people that are up are this new class of people. What's happening here is the progressives are creating a new class. And that class are the essential and the non-essential. And so all the workers and the city workers and all the technocrats and the bureaucrats and all the public health people and everybody else. What, you know, surprisingly, you know, they're forcing people to fight uh, within inside their own advocacy communities in order to go to, to fight for recognition as being essential. Um, so this is, well, I'm just, let me do my little rant here for a sec. Okay. Is, I think it's really important. Now, this is BC Place Stadium. Look at how dead that is on a Tuesday in March. There are only the essential and what Nietzsche would call the botched and the bungled or the bungled and the botched that are still on the streets. All right. And then let me just show you. So this is Granville Street. Wow. Look at that. Just dead. Nobody. What does uh, Toronto look like? And um, that's what Vancouver looks like. Well, I can't say what Toronto looks like, but pop population of 11,000 Port Hope are pretty dead. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm... I'm not saying we should not practice social distancing. I am 100% for it. I have parents both who are high risk. My parents are both at high risk. My dad has um, lung issues. He has COPD. He, ha he has a lung specialist. He hasn't left his house since last Friday. 77. My mom's diabetic. They're going to fucking, they're going to kill me for telling me, telling their age, but they're older. 
I understand that. I think right now, and, and again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a people watcher and a people observer. But I believe what's happening right now and why those people are so passionate about it. And again, I'm not mad, nor am I offended, nor should I be because this is bigger than me, is that they feel that this they it's one thing to try and save their lives. But right now, they're asking people to save their families' lives, their extended families' lives. So that sense of rest, responsibility, those people who fought for vaping are still the same people who have that passion to save lives. They're just seeing this through the bigger picture. And that's okay. I mean, I, I, I would go against everything I believe in if I was mad or I said they're stupid or I don't think they understood. And I'm asking them to put themselves in my shoes and the advocates and over the, over the 15, over 1500 people who sent that email versus the 10, actually, I think we're up to like 12 now that we've gotten responses that um, the FUs and the greedies and hope we die with COVID versus those 15, let's just call them 15. I'm, put, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and understand their perspective. And I get it. This to them is saving their kids' lives, their mom's lives, their partner's lives. So let me just bring up the the manner in which they're doing it is with the same ferocity as the dragon slayers have been you you know do, doing their fight against vaping. So it, it's so they've channeled that same public health dragon slayer virtue uh, that has been the primary uh, source of the action against vaping. And and now they're and they're directing it now at fellow vapors with regards to this issue about keeping vaping open as an essential service. That's the intricate uh, that the wicked little you know hypocrisy that's going on here or cognitive dissonance that's happening here because they're being dragon slayers in terms of you know how they're fighting this. They truly believe in what they're fighting, and you know what? Like, and I see the arguments on in the Facebook groups, and I see that. And I've seen people leave and people unfriend me, which is okay. Again, we're talking about other vapors here because you want to keep vape stores open during COVID. I want to keep them open for access. I do not think it is important. And it's not me. It's, it's 1,500 other people. It's the other people who did, like, you know, it's all these other people. It's all the people across Canada, Ontario. If Ontario keeps vape shops open, the rest of Canada, most of Canada, other than Nova Scotia, because they don't listen to anybody, exactly. will follow. Of course. Guys, this is not about making money. And I don't understand if anyone can think that we could, like, I don't know. Like, I, it's not about making money. It's about access. It's <clears throat> about, it's about the people that walked in yesterday who came in and stocked up on their vape products. Our customer base isn't kids. Our customer base are seniors. Our customer base does not have a large amount of a disposable income. And if we do, if they do online ordering, they still have to go to a post office. And I want to ask you, and I want to ask you about that. Let me interrupt you there, Maria. We put, had a, a, a video that we had out yesterday with Dr. Oyston, where we're talking about uh, Canada Post. And it wasn't quite clear with also Canada Post announcement yesterday whether or not they would actually be still delivering 
e-liquid uh, uh, packages to your door. What do we know? You saw the Ford uh, um, talk. I didn't see that today because we were putting e this together. Still allowed. E-commerce is still allowed. Was that? Did he specifically mention vape shops with that, like vaping products? No, he specifically mentioned e-commerce, and they actually brought up flower shops that are doing deliveries and all these other kind of businesses that are doing deliveries. And he said, like, as long as it's about not congregating into the stores, they don't want people inside of our stores. And I think I saw someone mention about a conversation with their tobacco enforcement officer saying that you can still be inside of your store as long as your doors are locked. You can still operate your e-commerce. Like we are doing um, porch deliveries to the customers that we know. I just want to make sure that's very clear in Port Hope, in Northumberland and Bowmanville, we're doing contactless thing. We, we're we in a unique position where Dave and I know, like we're hand, like we are in the shop owners. So we're able to do that. So we're doing contactless deliveries to help people out. From my understanding, that is still allowed. I'm not having employees. I'm not putting anybody at risk. Everything is done through e-commerce. And instead of Canada Post delivering, I deliver to their so if you if vaping was you know, classified as an essential service, would you still have your doors open and would your employees still be working? So the question being, because it's not an essential service, does that actually mean there's less hours or no hours for your employees or in others? Um, we're not an essential business, so there are no hours for my employee, our employees. Um, if we were to open, it would be up to them if we were considered, because again, I'm not here. It's up to the individual. This is the one thing that people aren't realizing is as an owner, as a business owner, as an employer, it's up to your employee about their, their sense of safety and what type of, you know, it's, it's up to them. So they have that right as in Ontario to refuse to work and go and collect um, EI during this time. And in, like, you know, be able to socially distance, or I think we changed the term now to physically distance. The term was changed yesterday. Well, as, uh, don't get me started. I mean, they're the language police, do, you know, they've changed language, you know, as I change. We can even like we can do a whole episode. Like we could do like I mean like how I change you know devices or juices they change language and genders but not none of that. Okay. Just none of that. no, that was me. That I that was me. That was totally me. Uh -huh. Okay, so all right, what can we expect here? Are you still fighting? I mean, and I know you meaning you know there's a whole bunch of people. Obviously, your vapor advocates of Ontario. You guys have made the difference in Ontario every single time. When it's come to a bill, you guys have been there in Queens Park. You guys have batted it down. This, it's, it's looked like maybe you were like, you know, two for three, and this is the third one, and it's like. I don't know. You know what? If you don't try, you're not going to find out. And the thing is, is that I just want to make this clear. Vapor Advocates of Ontario is simply a movement. That's all they are. It's a movement of people who are passionate, and people will come in and out of the movement depending on how passionate they feel about this. One thing that has always happened was that CVA, the Canadian Vaping Association, has always, um, we've always supported their efforts through activism. So in my opinion, I always believe, like the, the beauty of this is that CVA works and talks with government. We demand them to have those talks with CVA. We demand them to talk to us. And without that, 
And I think that's why in Ontario we are where we we are is because we have such a passionate group of consumers that are activists and are are there to stand up to sign that email to sign that petition. We had over 7,000 signatures collected at one point, and they were they were said in Parliament, and that was the largest petition ever presented. We had one of the largest um, protests. Um, that's only because in Ontario we have some of the most passionate vape shop owners and the most passionate consumers that you have ever come across in your life. You can't beat a Marianne Burt. You can't just create one. Hollywood can't create her. She is Marianne Burt. I don't know why she always comes to mind. But we had people like Randy Hillier and we have politicians and MPPs who have supported us and we become endearing. And what we did to Doug Ford and pleaded with him during thing, it's like, those are consumers. Those aren't shop owners only. We work together. We work hand in hand. And I think we do a good job. And if we didn't try, we wouldn't be true to who Vapor Advocates of Ontario is. It's about fair access, fair regulation, and access to vapor products for everybody. No, that's true. And CVA is still working on this. And I know that you guys are too. Maria, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Is there any last words you want to leave with our audience? Um, yeah, if you don't feel comfortable going into your vape shop, call them up. No one's forcing you to go into a vape shop. And there's so many options for you. Um, here's the thing. Just don't smoke. We'll, we'll help you find e-liquid. If worse comes to worse, we will find you e-liquid. This is a whole community out to support each other. We just don't want people to return to smoking. You've come so far. Addiction and, is real. Don't ever ignore it. And that is so true, no doubt. Well, Maria, thank you so much. Just you know, hang right there for a sec, but feel free to go on your keyboard there because it's just going to be one second. So okay. before we before we head off here, guys, I just want to let you know that at 2 o'clock Pacific time, I'm going to be joining Grim Green on his channel over at YouTube. That's going to be one heck of a conversation. We're going to unpack, unwind, unravel a bunch of the issues that are around vaping and COVID and talk a bit about the, well, disgusting and unscrupulous manner in which some very big people in public health and academia have been taking advantage of the COVID-19 crisis in order to further smear vaping in a really despicable way. So we'll be talking about that on Green Green Show. And I've got a major announcement uh, coming. We've got a show on Thursday with Dr. Kenneth Warner, the Dean Emeritus, the D how do you say that? He is the Dean of Public Health uh, of the University of Michigan, Emeritus, that's right, Emeritus. Uh, he has been doing public health and tobacco control at the research level since it began. I always like to say he knows where the body's buried, but when you're talking about people in public health, you shouldn't do that. But this is Dr. Kenneth Warner. He is the top guy in the United States. And when we talk with Linda Bald, uh, Martin Dockrell, any of the other researchers that we talk to all the time, they're always referencing Kenneth Warner and his work and his leadership in tobacco control. Dr. Warner is going to be on RegWatch on Thursday to talk about, amongst other things, the PMTA, the pressure from COVID, what he can talk about, he will be talking about.
So that's it for this edition of RegWatch. Before you head off, please go over to support.regulatorwatch.com. That's support.regulatorwatch.com. And consider making a financial contribution to our vaping coverage. It's easy. Just dig into your wallet and find a few dollars and toss them our way. You'll be happy you did and so will we. And while online, don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. For RegulatorWatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.